As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, the Athletics Big 12 football podcast. I'm Jason Kersey. He's Max Olson. Max, welcome back to the show, I guess. I don't know why I said that. You're a co-host. Um, did you do, Did you tape one without me or something? What does that mean? Well, you did tape one without me, but so I don't know why I'm welcoming you back to the show. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little bit, I don't know. I don't do you know have why your power back over there? I do, although hey, I briefly good. lost it again on Sunday. Yeah. Power can be elusive, you know, that's tough. In Oklahoma City, apparently, when it's a monopoly running everything, you know, like apparently so, yeah. So, uh, but no, everything's good. Everything's good. We had a, uh, a very light weekend of, of Big Twelve football to review uh, this weekend. Max West Virginia beating TCU twenty four six. Texas Tech having a, a big fourth quarter rally to beat Baylor twenty four twenty three. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, the Bedlam game this weekend, ESPN College Game Day is coming to Norman for Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. We'll be joined a little bit later in the show by Scott Wright, uh, Oklahoma State beat writer for the Oklahoman, to talk a little bit more about that as well. But um, Max, let's start with let's start with West Virginia. I mean, uh, another really solid, impressive win for Neil Brown's squad, five and three now. Um, I, I didn't expect them to be this good. I, I really think when you look around this country. They're, they're probably one of the most improved teams in America right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know after that one, you know, Neil Brown was clearly really proud of it. He said that's what West Virginia football is supposed to look like. And, you know, it really is. I mean, they ran the ball uh, well with Letty Brown, who's, you know, the only running back in the Big 12 who's coming close to put up Brees Hall numbers, uh, number two in the rushing in the league now. And, I mean, you, just, you look at the box score, time possession, turnover margin, you know, Diggy played well, nine stops on defense. I mean, that's – that's the blueprint. You know, they're not trying to play shootouts in the Big 12. And so um, I thought that was a really big win for, for Neil Brown, West Virginia. And, I, you know, very painful week for Neil Brown. You know, his, his, one of his best friends is John Schlarman, the, the Kentucky O-line coach who passed away last week. So, you know, our condolences there. And, and, and be sure to read Kyle Tucker's work yes. uh, on, on The Athletic on John Schlarman if, if you don't know his story. But, um, you know, that was uh, – and I wrote about it in Saturday Takeaways, but – that's, that's one of those programs where, you know, people went, you know, TCU wasn't ranked. Obviously, TCU struggling. But that is a nice building block win, I think, for West Virginia 
in terms of continuing to turn into to what they're going to be under Neil Brown. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, he he was such a good hire, I think. And and now though, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna really have a chance the rest of the way, I think, to to really make some noise. Their last two games are against Oklahoma and Iowa State, arguably the two teams that that maybe some would consider the favorites to to reach the Big Twelve championship game. Uh, I'm not saying they will win those games or that they should be expected to win those games, but. I think that the way they play in those games might really be a, an interesting peek into what they're building there because I don't think that's going to be an easy game for Oklahoma or for Iowa State. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to split those. I, I mean, that'd be if they do, then then West Virginia's had a pretty pretty phenomenal year, all things considered. Um, but uh, I do agree. I mean, I agree that it is. You know, the TCU game is a good example of like when kind of everything goes right the way you want it to go what it can look like um it's going to take a real real like quality consistent four-quarter effort to win one of those games but i mean western is in really good shape I, I think this is this is a year when um you know a lot of people make a lot of excuses right about just how how tough the season is all the obstacles that have come with it and you know i think that that's kind of the remarkable thing about west virginia is they've had a plan throughout and dealing with covid and have done an awesome job and it's it's good to see that kind of be rewarded you know oh yeah totally totally absolutely um on the flip side of that game though um what's going on with T- with tcu <laughs> I, know. I mean i i cannot figure that program out i can't figure that team out um and i imagine that you know gary patterson is probably extremely frustrated right now i mean you look at it over the last three years i, I think just it's become stale you know especially offensively um you know, TCU's now 10 and 15 in Big 12 play since the start of 2018. Um, and they were, you know, a contender prior to that. So, I mean, they're averaging 24 points a game this year. Like, that's, you know, last year they were down and they're still averaging 30. So, it's like, it's way down now. I mean, it's this this TCU get, defense has given up more 30-plus yard plays than, than anybody in the conference right now. Um, I mean, they've, they've got some good players, right? We see it. Like, we see – They've got some good pieces, but it's just not really adding up to good football. I mean, what, what, what? Can you put your finger on what that is? No, because um, I feel like even in the years when TCU is down, I mean, yeah, there were the years when they had Boykin and and they were really putting up a lot of points. Um, but even in the years when they were down, you could always at least count on their defense to be really good. You right. know, that was like right. the and to be full of athletes and guys that are going to play in the pros and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and you had Gary Patterson calling the defense, which, you know, is he's one of the best defensive play callers in the country probably. And now uh, they don't even have that. So I I, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 just, I just don't know. I know, I know that's not really a satisfying uh, response, but um, it's, just, it's been really hard to pinpoint with them. It just has. Yeah, just not very consistent, um, you know, and, and I – I wonder how much that is just going to force them to make changes on the staff this off season. And, and what do you do to kind of refresh this? And, and, and um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a quarterback problem. Obviously when you're playing a true freshman and then a true sophomore quarterback, there's going to be mistakes and stuff. Um, but you know, I, I, you can't pin it on one guy. It just, it's just a lot of it's not working right now. No. And Gary Patterson has been at TCU for so long and he's, he's, you know, he's changed before. You know, we, we saw him when they got in the Big 12, that he embraced the up-tempo offense and, and those kinds of things. He's been willing to make changes and tweak things before. And 
Um, you start to wonder when a coach has been in one place as long as he's been, if he's if if it's possible to to turn things around or if it's or, or whatever. But with Gary Patterson, we've seen it before, and so I, I I don't I'm not I'm not suggesting that he's in any trouble. Here's the thing, though I, I I don't look at TCU and look at these three years and say, well, this is just what TCU is. They're a middle of the road Big Twelve program. Like I, I don't look at it that way at all because they have the opportunity to recruit at a top 30 level, you know, and, and, and very few outside of Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, very few programs in this conference have that opportunity that they have in DFW um, with the access to talent, with the way they identify talent on defense. So you can't look at this and just, or I don't think you should look at this and say, well, you know, maybe TCU is just kind of a six and six program in the big 12. Like, I don't think right. so. And I don't think Gary Patterson or any, anybody else sees it that way that they do have a chance to be, you know, consistently the third or fourth best team in the Big 12, right? It doesn't mean you're contending for and winning the league every year, but you, you have that, you know, you, you have that opportunity there. And it just, these last couple of years, you just haven't seen them, you know, sometimes they can play at that level, but not, not very consistently. I mean, we are only six years removed from them being arguably screwed out of a college football playoff spot. Yeah. I mean, so we're, I mean, we've seen a top, they, top four team for sure. Yeah, yeah. They can be successful. That program is capable of, of doing big things. So, um, you know, I, I'll be very interested to see what happens in the off season there uh, and really the rest of the season, but, but yeah. especially in the off season uh, out there. Uh, Max, the other game in the big 12 this weekend was uh, Texas tech rallying to beat Baylor. Really interesting game, uh, you know, with, with Henry Columbia and Alan Bowman both playing. Bowman uh, not looking great in the first half. Comes into the fourth quarter, though, and, and, and has a great – Alan Bowman is fascinating to me. What a fascinating career this guy's had. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of injuries. Um, kind of neat to see him have a moment like that, even if it's not a particularly big game in the grand scheme of things. I thought it was pretty cool to see him do that. Yeah, it's – you know, especially nowadays in college football, when a guy gets benched like he did – that usually means like, all right, he'll be in the portal at the end of the year and he'll go find somewhere else to go. And um, like we saw that with like when, when Sam Ellinger beat out Shane Bouchel, it's like, all right, Bouchel's going to back up this year and then he'll go transfer, but you have to stay ready. I mean, it, it, you're going to get chances, um, you know, injuries and COVID stuff's going to happen. And so, you know, it's cool to see somebody get, you know, he's, he's just been, he's had such brutal luck over so far in his career. So I've seen him get another shot, you know, it wasn't very pretty. Um, when he played, but, um, you know, the, they, they did come back from 11 points down in the fourth and, um, you know, that, that defense played a really good second half and, you know, the thing, and, and I want two things I want to shout out. First of all, Colin Schooler, the hit he had on Charlie Brewer at the goal line is a game changer. And that was, you know, that was a, a big moment in that one. Um, and then shout out to Jonathan Garibay, the, the kicker going four for four to win the game, um, and punting five times, having to take on all of those duties in one week. Um, that dude stepped up. Yeah, it's always interesting when guys can do that, when they do the more than one of those jobs, because you just don't see it very often. Austin Seibert at Oklahoma did it. Um, but really, other than that, it's not like I can sit here and even think of very many other examples of that. So uh, super impressive on his, on his part as well. Yeah, one of the now, cooler stories in the league this week, for sure. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Now, what, what do you – And by the way, we do have to mention, okay, yeah. I, I hope you watch this. So – the moment at the end there where Sir Roderick Thompson slides at the seven-yard line just absolutely cracked me up because they're, they're in position to go punch in the score and win, 
and he's, you know, he's feeling, I'm, I'm sure in his head, he's a little gun shy because of the way it went against Texas where he went down and, and scored and then Texas comes all the way back on them. But that was, I was just like pulling my hair out watching that live because, you know, if the guy misses the kick and you lose, it's like, that's another, that, that that's just a brutal break, you know, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad Garibay delivered because Garibay, that would have been a pretty uh, infamous, uh, you know, oops uh, on, on Texas tech. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Garibay, Garibay saves the day. Max, on the other side of that, though, on, on the Baylor side, I mean, this is another – this is a program that's been through so much this year um, in, in Dave Aranda's first season. I mean, now they're one in five. Yeah. Um, I, coming off a year where they were so successful in Matt Rule's last year, I just wonder – what that what you think about that program right now in the state they're in yeah you look at the schedule and i don't know i don't know if there's another win on the schedule um and that's why that's part of why this game was so important um i think they need to really find a way to beat k-state next week and, and get some positive momentum um but you know i think that's they're they just kind of flipped this time i mean last year they played a ton of close games this year a ton of close games and it's just it just hasn't bounced their way this year, and and part of that's, uh, you know, this is such a, a a tough transition year. But this is kind of how it is in the Big Twelve. It feels like there's always one team, you know, in 2018, Texas won all these close games and and sort of outplayed uh, where they were really at as a program. You know, last year Baylor wins a ton of close games, and like TCU's kind of that team that loses a ton of close games, and and this year, you know, this year Baylor is that team. It kind of regressed all the way back to that, which is. It's tough. I mean, you, 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 you hope that Baylor fans kind of fully appreciated that run to the Sugar Bowl and just um, how improbable that, that awesome 2019 season was. But I don't think it's an indictment of the staff necessarily. It's just they've got a lot they still have to figure out. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, I hope that nobody is getting antsy or whatever, getting impatient with Dave Aranda. It's his first year. It, and we were just talking about the West when it comes to West Virginia, you know, not making excuses and things, but this program has been through the ringer. It, yeah. it, there've been a lot of problems for Baylor. So um, I, I don't think this is an indictment on Dave Aranda really. It's just kind of the way this season has gone. For yeah. Them. And I just, with injuries and with the, you know, the setbacks they've had and stuff like that, it's just been hard to kind of see them play. Like here's, here's the ceiling of this Baylor team. It's been hard for them to get, get very close to that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, Max, we, we wanted to also talk a little bit about um, uh, Texas coach Tom Herman and, and the situation down there. He was asked a question this week about the rumors that Urban Meyer might be the, you know, 
his successor. Um, we want to play this clip and, uh, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Here, this clip, this clip, he, he's, um, he talks about how, first of all, he, he starts by saying that he thinks it's all ridiculous that his players within his program, you know, know the reality and know that, that, um, you know, all that stuff that's out there is silly. But in this clip, he, he talks specifically about the impact that this kind of cloud over Texas has on recruiting. Uh, the, the recruiting part's a different story uh, because, you know, uh, when, when you have the things that have been written uh, about us and our program, uh, myself and our future, uh, very unfounded articles that, that state, uh, again, opinion is fact, that state unnamed sources as being factual, uh, it's very hard to defend against because if, if I'm a competitive, competing a recruiter, what do you do? You press print and you say, look, this is true. It must be true. It's on so-and-so orangefans.com, right? It must be true. Or it was written by this guy, so it must be true. Or this source said this, so it must be true. And, um, you know, that, that is really, really the hard part in recruiting is because uh, there, there's the, these 16-year-old kids are very impressionable. And unfortunately, uh, you know, when, when negativity gets written, especially unfounded, rumor-based, unnamed source-based negativity gets written, uh, then it, it makes our comp- competing recruiting's jo- recruiters' jobs just so much more easy. They just press print and, and say, here you go. All right, Jason, I, I, what, what's your first impression when you when you read the you know you read the answer he gave on Monday when when you hear that you hear that clip well i mean i think obviously that's going to have an impact i mean you, he's lost Quinn Ewers the a five-star quarterback for 2022 mm-hmm. they lost Faison Wilson a, a really highly ranked receiver they lose them you know within a really short time period uh, this stuff has an impact it obviously has an impact so i sort of understand his frustration there um, I, I really do. Um, but I also think that, you know, the, this is the natural thing that's going to happen at a place like Texas when you're not living up to your expectations. Uh, everybody is going to be calling for your job. I mean, everybody's uh, going to be waiting for the next guy, especially when you're a program that has been told that you're just a year away now for a decade. I mean, we, uh, every year, it, you know, and I know we mock it and we, you know, everybody makes fun of it. Texas is back, all that kind of stuff. But uh, at a certain but, point, when you overpromise and underdeliver, yeah. that's that's going to be the backlash, right? Yeah, I mean, Tom Herman's in his fourth year. I mean, he's had time to to turn this around and get Texas to where they think they should be. And um, the fact that he hasn't by the fourth year, when they start off uh, two and two, these questions are going to come up. So, I, you know, I, I, I empathize with him in some ways, and in other ways, I kind of don't. See, but okay, there you go. So you said when they start two and two. Texas has won three in a row. They're about to win four in a row. Like that's kind of what's absurd about this stuff too, right? Is like right. the like the to me, there's two things about this. One, the only thing that will ever fix any of this at Texas is winning, you know. And they're about to be if they can finish, you know, take care of business against Kansas, uh, they'll be on a four game win streak that, Which that puts you in a guarantee. By the way, because we'll get to uh, that. We'll we'll come back to that. Okay, but you know, you're in position to go play in the you know if you can kind of put the blinders on and focus on getting to the Big 12 title game and ignore all the stuff that's being talked about, um, I think the, the, the recruiting stuff sort of fixes itself a little bit. And right there in their classes, it's 17th in the country, according to 24-7, behind OU, behind A&M, 
not really the same blue chip ratio we're used to seeing with that kind of class. Um, and, and, and look, part of that is also because you replaced most of your staff and your staff couldn't go out on the road this year. So the, the bonds with the kids is just a little bit different, but um, if you can put the blinders on and just go get the job done, I think the recruiting stuff and the speculation, you know, may simmer down a little bit, but then the other thing to me is like, um, and, and I don't know. I mean, kids, kids want to see if Texas is back too. That's just the bottom line. I mean, that's, it, it's, you can point to, you can, you can blame websites and stuff like that, but kids want to see the results. Um, but to me, it's like, secondly, it's like, I feel like this is also like the Streisand effect a little bit where it's like, you know, the effort to get people to stop talking about it only publicizes it more. You know, it's like, like if you're, if you're mad about negative recruiting, like why give your enemies more ammo? Like a press conference, kids don't log on to YouTube and watch your press conferences, right? Like recruits don't watch that. So um, <laughs> like when he says they're going to go hit print, I'm sure if I were Lincoln Riley or Gary Patterson or, you know, Jimbo <laughs> Fisher or whoever, you probably would send that along to people too and say, look at this guy. What's he doing? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, to your point that you made, they are on a winning streak. They can still control their own destiny if they win out. They can still get to and win the Big 12 championship. And if they do that, uh, even despite all the recruiting hurdles, even despite uh, the not having, you know, uh, being able to go out on the, on the recruiting trail with this new staff and all of those kinds of things, they are still the University of Texas. And if they are good, they're going to get good recruits. Sure. They're just going to get them. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild it's a wild uh, vibe right now at Texas. I mean, Herman was also asked if Chris Delcani doesn't tweet about him enough and, and about Texas football enough. I mean, what a great question! It's I mean, it's uh, you know they won three in a row, but you you couldn't tell by anything that's going on. <laughs> and you know, he did say that he's focused on Kansas, and he probably should be because Kansas has actually played them pretty damn tight here the last several years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen. Look, this is the worst. This is probably one of the worst Kansas teams I've ever seen. So, um, I'm not suggesting that they're going to beat Texas again, but I don't uh, know, man. I think when we get to the picks, hopefully I can talk you into taking the Kansas plus 29 and a half. I, I, I think that's got some potential. <laughs> I mean, look, I still losing ground to you. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Should we, uh, you know, should we, should we pivot to, uh, you know, bedlam time. Should we talk to Scott? Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. Let's talk about let's talk a little bedlam. We're gonna go now to Scott Wright from the Oklahoman. Now joining us on One True Pod is Scott Wright, the Oklahoma State beat writer for the Oklahoman, my former colleague, good friend. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. We got a good game to talk about this weekend. Um, Let's just start off with with this. I mean, generally speaking, what have you made of this Oklahoma State team this year? Well, it's been uh, it's been interesting because it's been such a uh, such a talented defense. Whenever you thought that the offense was going to be uh, the the group that carried this team, uh, you knew the defense was going to be good uh, coming into the season. But you thought that Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace, Spencer Sanders were going to be the story. And uh, and they've been the story, but for uh, for the wrong reasons in uh, in in a lot of cases. So uh, the defense has uh, has carried this team in a way that I don't think anybody really expected, and uh, and I think that's going to continue on Saturday. Yeah, Scott. If, if someone had told you before the season they're going to be averaging twenty eight points per game after six games, you probably roll your eyes at that, right? 
Oh, oh, absolutely. I would uh, I would have uh, asked how many guys got hurt and uh, right. you know how long Chuba Hubbard had been out, uh, something like that. But um, that was uh, the uh, the way this offense has been playing is was completely unexpected. Uh, the the talent is there, but uh, they just haven't been able to put it all together so far. Yeah, well, you know, having having covered a bunch of these games, um, you know, do you feel like coming into this one? You know, do you feel like this bedlam will be different? I mean, I guess what what gives you reasons to believe this game could be different than ones we've seen over the last four or five years? Well, the Oklahoma State defense is the is the the one thing that uh, the Cowboys have to hang their hat on right now. Uh, they're playing so well on that side of the ball, and uh, they just they just don't have any weaknesses. I think Colby Harvell Peel will be will be back. He he missed the Kansas State game with an injury. Uh, but they just they just don't have any uh, any weaknesses over there right now, and uh, and I think that they're going to uh, to be the, the the toughest test that Oklahoma has faced uh, in a while on the, on the, on that side of the ball. So um, I think that uh, that changes the uh, the dynamic of this game now. Whether or not Oklahoma State can score enough to uh, to make the defensive effort worthwhile. Uh, that's uh, that's still a big question, but but I think that the defense uh, really uh, gives them a chance. It's, it's really interesting. Both these teams are still have relatively new defensive coordinators. They've they've both um, uh, been really good on defense. Both ha- kind of have had a transition year in offense, or at least an OU side. Um, it's it's just been a really it's going to be a really interesting bedlam because I feel like I'm used to bedlam being fifty to forty eight or something being the final scores and that's just not what I expect to see. So what do you think is going to be sort of the deciding factor here in this one? It's it's going to come down to I think Oklahoma State's offensive line versus Oklahoma's defensive line. I think that's going to at the end of the day that's going to tell the whole story of of this game because those two units are are trending in opposite directions. With with Oklahoma State really struggling right now on the offensive line, and and Oklahoma's defensive line getting better and better, it seems like. So, um, I think that's going to be the uh, the the turning point of this game. And if Oklahoma State can uh, can block up front, get the run game going, set up some things for for the uh, play action pass and the zone read. Then I think they've got a chance to score some points and uh, and make this a ball game. And uh, and if they can't block, then it's going to be uh, an offense like we saw against Kansas State, which uh, which just didn't do a whole lot until late in the game. And I don't know that they can. I mean, they can't afford to get shut out for a half and go right. and go and beat Oklahoma. You know, you you look at Oklahoma State's last three games, and you knew the competition was going to get better. And and certainly, um, you know, Harvell Peel coming back is a big deal, but. Those three last three games have all been pretty tight. Um, you, you know, do do you get a sense that there's just a level of concern there, or is that kind of what you also just expect in the Big Twelve when you go up against the better teams? That you know, that for where Oklahoma State's at right now, they're not going to blow people out. Yeah, yeah, they're just uh, they're not designed right now to uh, to go out and 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 blow people away, and particularly uh, you know Kansas State was an opportunity for them to do that, and they had so many guys that were uh, that were injured on offense uh, that had you know Chuba Hubbard had hardly practiced at all, LD Brown had hardly practiced at all, uh, guys that uh, that were coming into that game, and uh, you know Mike Gunny said he really didn't know what direction they were going to go when they got on the field that night uh, up in Manhattan, so. Um, it's uh, it's a team that's that's not really designed right now to to go and blow people out. So uh, 
it's really important for them to uh, to take advantage of the opportunities that they get, and uh, and then and, and then make plays on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and is is the sense this week that they're in in better shape? I mean, I I, I know it's you know every, a week like this, you're kind of protecting your trade secrets here, obviously. But yeah. is there a sense that um, you know they're going to be this is not not 100, percent but a little bit closer at least for this week. They are in a lot of key areas. Uh, the offensive line is still uh, still battling some injuries. They had some more serious injuries to guys uh, up there, so uh, more long term injuries that they were dealing with there. But um, you know, having the uh, the off week after Kansas State really helped, and I think guys like uh, like like Hubbard and Tylen Wallace who missed the Kansas State game, and um, Colby Harvell Peel, as I mentioned, Trey Sterling has been playing through an ankle injury the last couple of weeks, and he's uh, he should be uh, in in a little bit better shape after having some time off. So, um, you know, at a lot of key positions, I think they're going to be in in better shape. I just don't know that that offensive line is going to get the help that it needs just yet. You know, Scott, uh, when you look at the Big Twelve as a whole, I mean, I think the only the only team with a real realistic shot at the college football playoff is probably Oklahoma State, and even that's going to be kind of tough. Um, I mean, if they can win this game, though, I mean, is that going to be the talk? Is that still possible in your view for them? I mean, the schedule gets easier after Bedlam for them, for sure. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, it gets it gets easier, and they'll have uh, momentum that uh, that they desperately need to uh, to get going right now. So I think a win over Oklahoma. Uh, particularly coming off of what they did against Kansas State, and 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 probably ra- that probably raised some questions in some people's eyes nationally. If they can come in and, and beat Oklahoma and and turn things around a little bit in terms of uh, their perception. I think that would uh, that would really help them out. And uh, and I think that uh, that yeah, uh, at that point they've got a uh, a chance to go make a case for themselves. Uh, we'll see who they would end up playing again in the uh, in the Big Twelve title game. If uh, you know if Iowa State keeps winning and uh, and they can go and beat them again, that maybe helps uh, give them a little extra boost there. So uh, there's a there's a chance. I, th- I think uh, I think it's still out there. It's uh, it's slim, but I think there's still a chance that uh, that that they could get into the playoff. Scott, one of the one of the bits we've had like kind of each week in this podcast is we're constantly changing our mind about who's actually going to be in the Big Twelve title game. <laughs> so we'll put you on the spot here. If you had to guess today, you know, I mean, based on the teams you've seen, you've seen a couple of them up close now. I mean, what who would you who would you put as the top two? Oh man, that's uh, that is a tough one. Uh, I can uh, I can see why you guys are, are are challenged by it every week trying to to predict this um, right now. Uh, based on on what I'm picking to happen this weekend and and what I've seen, I'm going to say it's Oklahoma State and Iowa State in the Big 12 title game. Okay, so you so think you, the Pokes will get it done? Yeah. I think I think so. I think they're going to find enough uh, enough offense to uh, to pull this one out, and then the defense is going to have a uh, a really big day. Well, Scott, let me ask you about that though. I mean, this is one of those rivalries that's been very one sided, even in years when it felt like Oklahoma State had a real shot, they, they seem to come up short. Um, whether it's by one point or sometimes they get beat badly when you think they have a shot. I mean, is, is, there, a, is there a mental block there in Stillwater? I mean, is that, is that an issue uh, for, from your perspective uh, when it comes to this game? You know, it's it's so hard to say because it's it's like, you know, how does, how does you know, 20 
18 affect guys that that are that are freshmen and sophomores now and weren't part of that team uh, you know or uh, you know how does 2014 a year that they they pulled an upset how does that affect these guys now so it's uh, it's such a weird thing to try to uh, to figure out but it, it would help if they still had Tyreek Hill. I mean, that that would be beneficial. <laughs> that would that would be a difference maker right there. <laughs> uh, they could uh, they could use a guy like him right now. But uh, but it's uh, it's it's so hard to to try to figure out why there is this uh, uh, such a such a lopsided uh, uh, trend in this. Uh, it's it's way past a trend at this point. I mean. Even uh, even when Oklahoma State is is higher ranked, they're uh, they're still about a 500 team in this in this series. And this is only the sixth time in series history that Oklahoma State has come in with a, a better ranking in the AP poll than uh, than Oklahoma. So this is a, a pretty rare instance for uh, for the Cowboys. Well, Scott, um, thanks so much for for joining us. Yeah, really quick you, before before we let you go, just uh, tell everybody where they can read your stuff. Every day in the Oklahoman on Oklahoman.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Wright. Okay. All right, Scott. Well, thanks awesome. so much, Thank man. You. We really appreciate your time. And we'll see you, I'll see you on Saturday in the press box. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks again to Scott Wright from the Oklahoman for joining us, uh, giving us a little peek at, at Oklahoma State. Uh, Max, this is going to be a, a fascinating game. Um, and I sort of agree with Scott that – I think it's going to come down to the OU defensive line versus the Oklahoma State offensive line, and that's the that's a matchup I just don't see going well for the Cowboys. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you know, according to to Sports Info Solutions, you know they gave up 14 pressures against Texas, and K State got 10. I mean, I think people know they can try and get after the quarterback. And look, we've brought it up a few times, but in Spencer Sanders' four losses as a starter, eight total touchdowns seven interceptions, six fumbles lost. So they have to be productive on first and second down to not put them in bad spots where they're throwing the ball when they, when they don't need to, you know, and that's, that's, uh, as we talked about with Scott, it, it depends on the health of the running backs a bit. And, and, and can you get, you know, can you block this, these guys up front? Cause as you've seen, Jason, this OUD line is really figuring things out. They are. Um, they've been good all year, uh, interestingly. They, they were good even before they got Ronnie Perkins back, and Ronnie Perkins is one of the best players in the conference. And so yeah. uh, you add him back to that defensive line, they're deep, uh, they're aggressive. I mean, they, they can be pretty dominant. And that's not something you've been able to say about the Oklahoma defensive line really for, for a long time. But this year, that's, that's the truth. They are. Well, and, yeah, and it's, you know, it's just been weird in these, these last few Bedlam games, Jason, where – Oklahoma's defense has been bad and it hasn't really mattered in these, you know, going into these, these games, Oklahoma has right, been really right. struggling on defense and not only has it like not really mattered against Oklahoma state, but you know, like you saw last year with Motley, like the defense making made a lot of big plays. They, they've made big plays in these games that have been really tight, you know, and it's, it's just kind of a strange, it's a strange rivalry, you know, where um, ever since Lincoln Riley showed up, the average score of this game is 48 to 32 Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I I I was I've been thinking a lot about the game two years ago in Norman. Yeah, uh, where that was uh, Ruffin McNeil coordinated defense. Um, that's really the first time we saw Chuba Hubbard go off too, because Justice Hill got hurt in that game. Yeah, that's true, and it's also uh, Tylen Wallace had two hundred and I think twenty yards or yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, in that game against Trey Norwood, who is still on the uh, on the OU defense, although he's not a corner anymore now, he's a safety. 
Um, and, and I actually asked uh, Trey Norwood today about Tylen Wallace, and he said he's just good at everything. And mm-hmm. that's and it's just really hard to cover a guy like that because there are very few weak spots with him. And uh, now, and obviously Tylen Wallace did not play in the game last year. I don't know what kind of difference that could have made, but yeah, with um, with and, and no Sanders in that game either. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, um, but it is interesting that, like you said, the average score is so high, and yet and and the 2018 game is decided by one point, right? So that's kind of the weird thing this week is it. like, do you feel like the rest since Lincoln Riley showed up, the rest have been decided by double digits? So do you feel like this is going to end up? And, and this is the tough thing for betters this week. Is this going to end up being a 10, 14 point margin? Or is this going to be a one-point margin kind of game, you know? Yeah, I mean, it feels, it feels like, at least to me, like Oklahoma has built up so much momentum here over the last four games that they've started to really come into their own on offense. Spencer Rattler's gotten better. Uh, they have Ramondre Stevenson back. The offense, they have Jaden Hazelwood back. The offense feels like it's clicking the way that we're used to seeing. Um, and then you watch Oklahoma State, they, they lose to Texas, um, they have a close call against Kansas State, and you start to think, wow, all the momentum here is building towards OU. It's when weird, it right? Like, I think if, if I asked you a month ago, oh, who right. was the better team, you would say, oh, it's probably Oklahoma State right now. Without, so. without question. And I'm trying also to keep in mind that OU's rise here, they beat Texas, they beat TCU, you know, in a sort of meh sort of way. Yeah. And then the two teams that they've crushed are Texas Tech and Kansas. I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself here uh, on that front either. But at the same time, it feels like they've rallied. You know, like they've they right, figured right. things out. Um, and there's just, I don't know, there's just something about this, this game where, I, look, I mean, Oklahoma, the last five times they've played this game, Jason, Oklahoma's turned it over three times total. So it's <laughs> the quarterbacks have a 13 to two touchdown to interception ratio in the last five years since, since Lincoln Riley entered this rivalry. So it's just, even when it's not right for Oklahoma, like they've still kind of always had the right answers in this game. Sometimes there's luck, you know, last year with the injuries, um, you know, Rudolph's injury in 15, uh, but I don't know. It's a, it's how, how you feel about covering this game? Are you, are you pretty well, excited to get out there? Yeah, I am. I was going to add one more thing to what you just said, though, about the quarterback, the turnover discrepancy. The difference, though, was that OU had Baker Mayfield for two of the three of those. Mm-hmm. They had Kyler Murray, who was not a freshman. They had um, Jalen Hurts, who was a, a senior who played in a lot of big games. Yeah. And, who was, and who was going against Drew Brown last year. Yeah. So it wasn't the same kind of competition it would have been, you know. But Spencer Rattler uh, – is a young quarterback. He's still prone to mistakes. He threw an interception in the first quarter against Kansas mm-hmm. two weeks ago. Uh, so this is not uh, a guy who's not prone to making some mistakes and against a good defense. Um, I don't know that you can count on that sort of turnover discrepancy again. I, it could, it, it definitely could. Like we may know by the second quarter when like both quarterbacks have like two interceptions, this is just going to be like a really wacky back and forth game. You know? Yeah, and on that front, back to what you asked me. Yeah, I'm really excited about this game. <laughs> I'm always excited about Bedlam. Bedlam is always fun, uh, especially when the teams are, are pretty evenly matched, like they seem to be this year. Yeah, um, I, I'm hoping for a really good game, and and I think there's a good chance we get one. The the last stat I got for you on this game: Oklahoma State is 0 and 5 against Oklahoma these last five years, and they're 50 and 16 against everybody else. So this is no, no matter how far you get, this is just this huge, huge hurdle that you know if if they can win this game, 
it's such a huge springboard to where they can end up this season. It's just getting over that psychological hurdle. I have to think yeah. could, would be a huge deal. Yeah. And, and I, I understood what Scott was saying about, you know, does the 2018 game matter to this right. year? But I, maybe not, but I, also you feel like there's still a little bit of a weird curse in all of this. Yeah, just because if you play for Oklahoma State, even if you've never played in this game before, but you know that Oklahoma State has been on this unprecedented success, a run of success under Mike Gundy, and they've still only managed to beat OU twice since 2004. Um, and and to, for that to happen, 2011 was just a – that was Brandon Weed and Justin Blackman. That was just right. a much better team. Right. 2014, it was, a, it was an incredibly terrible decision by Bob Stoops to re-kick yeah, yeah. to Tyreek Hill, and that's the only reason it happened. I mean, other than that, they've just got their number. I, um, so – I mean, no, I, there's there's been a lot of heartbreak, a lot of frustration. It's hard for even in a year like this when Oklahoma State fans can talk themselves into we have the better team. It's still it's still just hard to like go into this game with a lot of confidence, you know. Yeah, and it's also I think hard to pick Oklahoma State to win this game. Now, what's interesting too about the weird weirdness of this is the way that this line has fluctuated a little bit. A little bit, from yeah. I, from what I've seen, I mean, it was it. It was it. I think it opened around ten or ten and a half. It got all the way down to five uh, for OU. Now it's back up. I think we've got it at seven, right, Max? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're going to pick against? So I mean, yeah. it's. Uh, I I don't think anybody really knows what to expect here. It's gonna be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna at least give us a chance to to feel like we know what we're talking about after this week in terms of the Big Twelve title game and who the best teams are. Oh, totally. This is going to be very illuminating, yeah. without, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, do we want to get into picks here, yeah, Max? Yeah. Let's do it. Let, let's, let's do it. Do you want to start there? you want to start with, the, uh, with Bedlam? No, let's do that last. Let's do that last. Okay. okay. All, right. So, all right, so now go ahead. You, you can try to talk me into, into taking Kansas. Let's start there. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Are what's you, not to like about this Kansas team, Jason? What do you mean? What, um, what, are, you, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to take Texas. Um, they're just, you know, from what we've seen of them, I like this is the kind of like they should play the way they did against. Well, I don't know. They're going on the road, so this is not quite the UTEP game. It's a little bit tougher than the UTEP game, but I don't know. Can can you is is anybody twenty points better than Texas right now? I, I don't know in the Big Twelve that that, that that might be a little hard to get to. And you know, I need to see an A plus performance from Texas this week, like. If, if I'm going to start believing, if anyone's going to start believing, I mean, this is not one of those games. Last time they went to Lawrence, final score, Texas 24, Kansas 17, okay? This is not the week to have one of those games if you're Tom Herman. No, no, I, I, absolutely not. And, I mean. And last year, I mean, Texas had no business winning the game last year, that 50-48 to 48 game in Austin. Um, I mean, so is Texas on upset alert? Like they have to be, they have to be so careful this week and really give a shit because, um, you know, look, I mean, Jalen Daniels is, is, is banged up or, or his status is unclear. You know, Carter Stanley did an awesome job against Texas defense last year and making them look horrible. But I don't know that this Kansas offense is ready for that, especially without Puka. So it's hard for me to see it, but Texas, Texas can't mess around in this one. No, it, it, it to me feels a lot like what the OU Kansas game two weeks ago felt like, which is OU goes out and blows them out and do what they're supposed to do, and you leave feeling pretty good about that OU team because they did what they were supposed to do. And Texas needs to do what they need to, what what they are supposed to yeah. do. 
this weekend. Absolutely. I'm with you, especially on a week when this Urban Meyer stuff has been such a topic of conversation and uh, he goes on that long spiel about it. You better, you better beat Kansas. Yeah, I think the, the unnamed sources will be talking if you win this game 50-48. to 48. Yeah, or God forbid you lose it, which they're not yeah. going to yeah, um, yeah. So, all right, I'm going to – I'm going to – you no, oh I'm taking God. Texas. I'm taking okay. Texas. All right. All right. I'm taking Texas. I'm not doing it. No, 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 no. All right, how do you feel about Farmageddon? Yeah, here we go. Kansas State at Iowa State. Iowa State an 11-point favorite. These are two teams I've seen in person this year, seen play at maybe their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, I know Kansas State is different now without Skylar Thompson, but um, I don't know. Max eleven feels a little big to me. It feels like a little. I, I, I don't know that. I mean, I, I do think Iowa State is the better team, and that they will win. But uh, it, I don't know. I, I, I think this Kansas State team is still tough, and they still they hung in there last week against Oklahoma State really well. I, I don't know that I can pick Iowa State to win this by eleven. I really don't. Yeah, it, it, it feels like a little bit of a trap. Um, and we have to say, obviously, from the start here, you really hope this game gets played. Um, oh, Because sure. Chris Kleiman has, you know, he said he's nervous about that. They're down a lot of guys. Knock on wood, you know, that the, the, the Wednesday and Friday testing go well and, and that it's, they're kind of cutting it close here. So I kind of fear that means that even if this game is played, we're not going to really see a K-State team that we're used to seeing, um, you know, kind of closer to full strength. Um, and, and putting up the kind of fight that they've kind of put up week, week after week here. So I don't know what position group or how many people they're missing. Um, certainly they found ways to get, you know, they beat Oklahoma despite a bunch of, you know, missing a bunch of people. Um, but that, that presence of that, you know, and, and it'll be a push if they don't play the game, but that presence of that threat, I think is probably going to have a lot of people betting Iowa state thinking this could be a blowout, but it's K state. I don't know that you can, you can say that. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought about the impact on the line like that, but that's, that's a good point. So, um, so what, are, what are you picking then? You know, it's weird. Kansas state's won 11 to 12 in this rivalry. Um, right? wow. yeah. And yeah. you know, even as Iowa state's improved under Campbell, um, you know, the 2018 game did, a, did go Iowa state's way and basically got Snyder pushed out. Um, the 2019 game really pissed off Matt Campbell. That was a very uncharacteristic bad game for them. So I think Iowa State will cover. It's weird because, you know, I, like you, you think back to the last few minutes of the Oklahoma State-Kansas State game where, you know, one, one big play kind of flips that. I, I think this can be that kind of a game. I think it'll be really close. Um, I think Iowa State will win. And I don't, I don't know, man. Where, where, where are you at? Where are you at in terms of the line? Oh, no, I've, I've said I, I think Kansas State covers. I think Iowa State wins, but Kansas State covers. That's what, that, that's what I'm going with. All right, I'll say, I'll say Iowa State covers the line. Okay. Um, right, I'll say, don't feel good about it, though. Don't feel, it's, I, it, because it's, it is going to take – even if Kansas State is, is, is down some or a lot of, of players this week, it's still going to take a pretty, pretty A-plus effort from, from Iowa State to blow them out. Yeah, w- w- without, without question. Uh, all right. Let's let's uh, make our bedlam picks here. Oklahoma currently is a seven-point favorite in Norman. Uh, as we mentioned, they've won the vast majority of the uh, last several of these games, including the last five. So, uh, you want to go first? I, I like that these teams are coming off bias too. So I, I yeah. feel like there's going to be. You hope they're pretty healthy, but you also feel like there's there's going to be some wrinkles in this one, right? There's going to be some 
fun stuff that that both of these sides have been saving for this game. So mm-hmm. I do think it's going to be really fun and competitive, and I think OU will cover. You do, I do. I'm I'm in. I think OU will cover, and I'm kind of at the point again. I I sort of alluded to it earlier, where it feels to me like all the momentum is on OU's side. It feels like one of those years where they might, where Oklahoma State has some hope, and OU might. And it's not that Oklahoma State's like going in the wrong direction, right? It's just they're both really good teams. You know, it's not Oklahoma's up and OSU's down right now. I I don't think the Texas game is some indictment that they can't win this game. It's no, 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 no. And I don't mean to to give off. No, for sure, for sure. It's. It's just, just it's it's a fascinating it, just for where these two teams are at right now. It is a fascinating matchup more so than we kind of thought going in when we knew these may be the two best teams in the Big Twelve. Right. Yeah. So uh, I guess when I just look at what OU has put together the last four weeks, um, OSU's had some trouble. There is that that huge discrepancy between the OU defensive line and the OU OSU offensive line. It just feels to me like one of those games that OU might win and win decently convincingly. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out by 20 or anything, but but they can win by 14 or so. That it, That's kind of what this feels like to me. Well, if that happens, um, then you're, you're bringing all the two lost teams back into play here, you know, in the conference yep. race. Chaos. Love it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What is Ow. it? What is it? Texas at Kansas has been postponed in the oh, middle of no. our taping this podcast, Jason. Oh no. I knew that was going to happen at some point this year. <laughs> yeah. The big 12 has, has dodged this a bit. Uh, this is, this is due to, uh, this is due to cases at Kansas, uh, the inability to meet the position requirements. Um, this game will be rescheduled and they're going to play it on December 12th. Which, by the way, we, uh, we do need to say, I mean, they've, they've basically now said that the Big 12 championship game is going to be on the 19th. Yeah. They've, they've, they've gone ahead and said that. So there's no more either or. So that 12th day is going to be is, is going to oh, come God, in. How here. gross would that be if there's the Big 12 title game and Texas-Kansas going on on the same day because Texas didn't make it? You know, that would be. Well, Oklahoma State would also have to have not made it. That's true. That's well, true. Well, hey. Yeah. So they'll play that on the 12th. Um, interesting position for Texas now, uh, having another week to get ready to go play a really, really important stretch here against right. Iowa State and K-State. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to process this. What? Jason's trying to pick up his head off the floor. It, it has exploded. <laughs> I just, I honestly, when you started to say that, oh no, or whatever, I, I thought it was going to be that Kansas State, Iowa State was postponed because what of what we had just been talking we about. We just talked about. Yeah, so uh, I wasn't really expecting it to be uh, uh, Texas, Kansas, although Kansas is the one, the one school, right, that's had their head coach uh, have to miss a game because yeah. of it. So, yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. The position group affected has a combination of injuries and contact tracing. Okay. That's how it goes. You know, I mean, I guess it's better that t- they decide that on Wednesday instead of Friday. Um, but boy, that is, doesn't change the big 12 race too much. Um, gives Texas some extra time to get healthy uh, to, before playing Iowa state and K state, but damn, 
it, it finally hits the Big 12, you know? It does. It does. It was, it's already been a busy day of postponements and cancellations and no contests and all that. So Big you 12 almost, had pretty good luck up until today, you know? Totally. And I've, I was just sitting here thinking that, yeah, it's been, uh, you know, watching all these other leagues is sort of not felt – I don't know. It's like it's there, and I know it's happening, but now it's it's affecting. Uh, the well, league. and you mentioned it. I mean, the December twelfth date hasn't really filled up yet for the Big Twelve because this is this is the only the second time in conference play that this has had to happen. So, um, you know, obviously the national numbers are not good right now. The, the 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 spike is not good right now. So we're we're seeing a ton of this, and and we may see more of it. It'd be fascinating to see. You know, hopefully these other two two Big Twelve games are fine this week and. Uh, you know, the race isn't disrupted too much. Well, and I mean, we're, we've started to see too. I mean, uh, Iowa State, uh, we haven't mentioned this yet, but Iowa State is not going to uh, allow the yeah. many fans in the stands. It looks like it's just going to be family and friends. Um, I, I wonder if we're getting to a point where that's going to be sort of the norm the rest of the way. Yeah, P- potentially. Or, yeah, potentially. I, I And I think, you know, to be honest, that might be the smart thing to do. Probably so. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Um, Wild times, man. Well, that was a interesting way to end the pod there, Max. I, I stand by what I said about Texas, though. They they whenever they play Kansas, they 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 shouldn't win by just seven. That'd be bad. Well, but what if this game just doesn't get played? I mean, look, it doesn't really affect Texas in the Big Twelve race, right? If if the game doesn't get played, they're still within the average uh, of games, and they uh, avoid their annual scare from Kansas. <laughs> it all works out. That's that's potentially true. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's going to be it's, it's going to be an interesting run here. Um and and look, hopefully Kansas can get this under control and and um you know, this doesn't affect, you know, games ahead here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, all right. Well, that had not happened yet, and uh, hopefully, it doesn't happen. It was going to happen at some point, wasn't well, it? Yeah, I mean, we we surely expected that this exact scenario is going to happen uh, at some point. But uh, thank you all for listening. As always, please subscribe to our show, One True Pod, on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a review and a good rating, and find our stories on the Athletic. If you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com/slash One True Pod. You don't just get the best college football coverage. You get all of our sports coverage, so be sure to take advantage of that, and we'll see you next week.